So this morning's sermon is going to be taken from Luke, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17, and you can find that once again on page 863. And here we read, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning's text presents a marvelous and miraculous event, a resurrection. This is an important moment in the ministry of Jesus. In Luke 4, Jesus announces that he is the messianic servant spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. The messianic servant who is anointed with the Holy Spirit. His Spirit-led ministry has led him to visit Nain. It is here where he demonstrates before the crowds who he truly is, the Lord of hope, the God of great compassion and power, with the ability to restore the dead to life. The world around us has great difficulty accepting that the dead can be raised to life. They argue that it is simply impossible, so there must be another explanation. It becomes a stumbling block for many. As believers, we not only confess this to be possible, but we place all our hope in this certainty that Jesus overcomes death. This morning, I will proclaim to you this comforting gospel message under this theme and points. The theme, visiting Nain, our Lord grants us hope when faced with death. And our points will be, our Lord sees the grieving mother. Secondly, our Lord restores life to the dead. And thirdly, our Lord be glorified. Point one then, our Lord sees the grieving mother. 
Previously, the, the Lord was in Capernaum. We read that in the beginning verses of the chapter. He healed the servant of a centurion there. Now he travels southwest to the town of Nain. This town sits at the foot of a mountain, Mount Moray. Nain is not a large place. In fact, there are less people living in the town than, they, than have gathered for worship here this morning. So we envision a, a great crowd of followers, the disciples and Jesus, visiting this small town that's nestled under a mountain. When the Lord approaches the gate of this community, a funeral procession is taking place, and a man is being carried out through that very gate. We must know that this is no coincidence. If the Lord was delayed an hour, or if he arrived an hour earlier, the dead man would have either been buried already, or he would have been still in the town. No, the Lord, the Master, purposely visits here at this precise moment. There is intention in his movements, and we will come to know why. So the man is being carried out, the only son of his mother. Also, his mother is a widow. We can imagine that this is a most grievous situation. The mother has lost a husband, and now she has lost her only son. Although she is not alone because of the considerable crowd around her, where she is surely receiving support in the small village, she is alone in her great despair. Or is she? Our Lord Jesus is near. He sees her in her despair, and he visits her. He visits the mother in her time of deep despair. No one has invited Jesus to the funeral, but there he is. He acts on his own accord. He comes and he sees the grieving mother in her time of need. He is not blind to her needs. He comes and has compassion on her. The Greek word used here for compassion contains a deep inward emotion, indicating that this compassion is coming from the deepest core of the Lord's being. It's in his very nature to seek out the grieving mother. Such a deep compassion he had for her, the only thing that surpasses the mother's deep grief is our Lord's deep compassion. And he speaks to her. He seeks to comfort her with his words. He says to her these three words, do not weep. The words themselves are saturated with compassion and love. Do not weep. And his words to the mother are not insincere or powerless without meaning. No, they have substance to them. They provide hope and promise. When the Israelites were in Egypt, the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob noticed their grievous situation. 
In Exodus chapter 3, God says to his people, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction. The Lord God saw the Israelites, and he promised them deliverance. And he did deliver them out of Egypt. Our Lord Jesus sees the mother and delivers her from her affliction as well. He, rest he restores her son to life and gives him back to her, comforting her and restoring joy. Jesus is, in fact, revealing to us that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, visiting his people. He is the sovereign Lord of life, the God of compassion and hope, who provides deliverance from grief and sorrow. Death and despair. Are we experiencing great despair, beloved? Mothers of all ages, are you struggling with despair? Have you lost a son or perhaps a daughter? Such situations can bring much pain to our hearts, cause tears to flow from our eyes, and weigh heavily upon our minds. During those moments in our lives, we pray, we earnestly pray, longing for those words of comfort from our Lord and Savior. He does hear our prayers. He sees us in our despair. He does visit his people. He is visiting with us right now, right this very moment, by his word and spirit. These three words, do not weep, are for us as well. These are not powerless words on a page, but they are living, active, powerful words. Our Lord and Savior is unchanging and eternal. His compassion and love never cease to exist. Do not weep. Do not despair, beloved. Our Lord is near. He sees us and seeks, up the, seeks to bind up the wounds of our broken hearts. And he promises to uphold and sustain us through all life's trials. Because of this, we can look forward with anticipation to the new Jerusalem as described in Revelation 21 verse 4, where our great comforter will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more. And there will be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. What an incredible future we have in our Lord Jesus. And so we place our hope, and in him we place our hope. And in the second point, we will see why our hope is not in vain. Our second point then, our Lord restores life to the dead. 
So our Lord Jesus visits Nain just as a funeral procession is leaving the village gates. The procession is on the move towards the burial grounds to bury the dead man. Our Lord is close enough to speak to the mother, and now he touches the bier. A bier is a, a plank or, or a frame on which the young man's body would lay. It's not how we would see a coffin. It's not a coffin, but perhaps something that a coffin would be set on top of. So we can imagine that the body was exposed for all to see. He touches the plank and the bearers stop. They stood still along with the procession. And remember, there is a good number of people that are witnessing these events. A great crowd was following Jesus and a considerable crowd from the town was attending the funeral. We can imagine the shock of the crowds when Jesus touches the plank and stops the procession. Then, just as is now, this action would be considered inappropriate. Certainly outside of social and societal norms. If a stranger were to touch the coffin and stall the pallbearers while we were walking to the graveside, many of us would either raise our eyebrows in shock or furrow them in anger. But this is the spirit-led ministry of our Lord Jesus. He touches the plank. He confronts the uncleanliness associated with dead bodies. He is not afraid of the filthiness of the, of the son's body. His purpose is to overcome the core of man's misery. Sin. And what ails the man on the plank? Death, a result of sin. This man is completely and utterly dead as a result of sin in the world. So he stops the procession. And the Lord speaks a second time. This time to the young man laying on the plank. And Jesus says, Young man, I say to you, arise. And what happens? The dead man sits up and begins to speak. The young man's dead body comes to life. Within an instant of Jesus speaking the word, arise. His lungs, his, his heart, his brain, all his senses instantly begin to function. He sits up and he is able to speak. What a shocking turn of events. Where there was once grief and mourning, quickly becomes gasps of astonishment and joy. The words of the Lord Jesus contain the power to grant life and deliverance. The same life-giving power that brought Adam into existence in the very beginning gives life to this once very dead young man. This is a significant moment in the history of redemption. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us that death entered the world through sin. The sin of Adam, roughly 4,000 years earlier than this event that is occurring. In 1 Kings we read that Elijah was able to raise a widow's son. But 
he needed to pray to God. He had to stretch himself upon the child three times before the Lord listened to his voice and brought life into the widow's child. But in our text, the Lord Jesus' voice alone contained the power to bring life into the widow's into the mother's child or son. By raising this young man, Jesus is demonstrating that he has the authority and the power to overcome both sin and death. Jesus reveals to all the onlookers that he can restore life to a world that has fallen into death and decay. Once again, he reveals that he is God incarnate. God in the flesh visiting his people. Why is this important? Through this demonstration, Jesus is preparing the world for his own bodily resurrection. Since he is able to raise others from the dead in his own power and authority, he is also able to raise himself from the dead in the future. And he did lay down his life when he humbled himself into, unto death on the cross. And then he, in his own authority, rose three days later. His own resurrection, once and for all, conquering death, removing the sting of sin. The Lord said to Martha, Lazarus' sister in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he goes on to ask her if she believes this. Do we believe this all to be true, beloved? Do we believe that Jesus has the power to physically, bodily raise us from the dead and that we will never die? That he has the power to accomplish this? Some may confidently answer this question with a resounding, yes, I, I believe. And what a wonderful gift of grace this is. And praise be to him for this confession of faith. For if it were not for him, we would be spiritually blind to this reality. Some sitting in the pews or at home this morning may struggle with this or deny the fact that a physical resurrection is possible. It's not humanly or medically possible, you may argue. Our Lord is showing that it is possible. And so the call is to repent and believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the power and authority to raise us, raise up those who are dead, as we notice here in our text. May the Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, powerfully work within our hearts today as we sit under his word so that we may be spiritually raised up in this life and bodily raised up 
in the life to come. Whereas sin is the great murderer, Jesus is the remedy that gives life. What a comforting thought this is, that in his power, our Lord Jesus will raise all believers, all the saints that have left this world before us, some of whom are oh so precious to us. Our miscarriages, our stillborn infants, our sons, daughters, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, grandpas, grandmas, grandchildren, and our friends. He will raise them to be with him bodily, free of all ailments in the new Jerusalem. And this is the comforting power that we see when the Lord, our Lord Jesus, gives the Son, who was dead but is now very much alive, back to his mother. And such acts of compassion and power demand a response. And this is what we will notice in our last point. Our third point then, our Lord be glorified. After Jesus gives the young man, the well and alive young man, back to his mother, fear seizes them all and they glorify God. In chapter 5, we, we read of a similar reaction. After Jesus has, had told the paralytic to rise and to pick up his bed and go home, which he did, all those who witnessed the event were, and we read this in verse 26, seized with amazement. And they glorified God and, and were filled with awe. And this is not an out-of-place reaction. We have just witnessed a dead young man being raised up to life. This is not your everyday run-of-the-mill occurrence. The mother receives back her son from the Lord. Her life was bleak and sorrowful, and in an instant, Jesus has reversed this. And we can imagine her, her cycle of emotions, shock, Tears of joy, wonderment, awe, reverence. Does she hug her son first or does she embrace Jesus in thankfulness? So many emotions, so many thoughts. Many of these are shared by the community, the followers of Jesus, and us here today. All of these emotions are brought together into one word in our text. Fear. This fear seizes all of them, all of them, and they glorify God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This we can say for certain that the crowds knew that God had sent Jesus, that he was visiting them. However, they did not 
completely understand who Jesus was quite yet. That he was there to redeem them, as mentioned in Luke chapter 1, verse 68. They called Jesus a great prophet. If they knew him to be God, they would, they would not have done this. Yet they knew he was someone special, which is why they call him great. Elijah raised a widow's son in 1 Kings chapter 17. In 2 Kings, cha- 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha also raises a woman's son. And this mother was from Shunem. Now, Shunem was also located at the foot of Mount Moray, not too far from the village of Nain. The raising of a son is, is no small event. And we can imagine the community, community of Shunem passing on what happened from generation to generation. And naturally, the communities close by would also hear about the event. Similar to what we read in verse 17 of our passage, where a, where a report went out to all the surrounding country. And we can think about this as all part of God's divine plan. Remember, Jesus came to Nain with purpose, spirit-driven. And this is no coincidence that two similar events, significant events, resurrections, occurred very close together geographically, but separated by so many years. The community of Nain was meant to connect the dots, which they did. Yet once the dots were connected, they were to notice the difference in in the figure. And this is what they were trying to work out. So when the people called Jesus a great prophet, they likely had Elisha in mind, and perhaps even Elijah. In Luke 9, verse 18 through 19, the Lord asks his disciples, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they reply, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has arisen. One of the prophets of old, which of course includes Elisha. The crowds witnessing Jesus raising people from the dead, healing and doing other miracles are still trying to understand who Jesus is. Yet, they glorify God. They knew that God was the source behind this incredible event of providence and transforming power. We also know, and by God's grace, we know more. We know that God, our Lord Jesus, is visiting the mother, not by the prophets, but in the flesh. And we know that he continues to visit us presently through the preaching of the word in the workshop of the Holy Spirit. We glorify God along with the crowds for his visitation, for for the revelation of his compassion and power. But will our glorifying stop at the doors of the church building? 
Or will we also spread reports about Jesus, about his deep compassion, about his power and ability to raise the dead? Remember, this event took place in a small town that housed less people than our church. Yet they could spread the news about what took place throughout Judea and the surrounding country. What Jesus had, Jesus had done for them and for them impacted them so strongly and completely that they could not contain and keep it to themselves. They went and told everyone who would listen. And the name that was on their lips was Jesus. Everyone would hear about Jesus. Everyone, including the mothers of Judea. And what joy would they receive knowing that the Lord Jesus sees them in their deep despair, that he visits them and he is able to deliver them from their grief. Mothers of Emmanuel, he sees you as well. Know that he seeks to comfort you. Yes, by his word and also by his spirit, actively working among the body of believers. Congregation, do not neglect those grieving. Visit the grieving mother. Be there for her and have compassion on her. Let her know that she is prayed for. Perhaps, perhaps put your arm around her and let her know that you are present. In this way, she may experience the love of her Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and honor. Amen.